Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. All right, so our guest speaker this morning is Linda. I asked Linda last week if she would share, and uh, she has been a, she's like a second mom in our life. Um, come on up, you know. Um, I've known Linda for 24 years, and the, um, the rest of the Samsons have known her for a lot longer than that, and so she's, she's, she, carries, she carries something in our lives when she speaks to us, and, and I wanted to have what she has, what God has been putting in her heart. Um, wanted, I wanted her to release it to you this morning. So I think it's just prophetic that it's Mother's Day that, um, that she gets to share uh, because she's a mother to many. She's a spiritual mom. She's, uh, she's, she's amazing. So I'd like you to get up off your, your seats and give her a standing O because she's um, that amazing. I don't know whether I should stand or sit or maybe just lie on the floor. I'll start out standing. Welcome home, Zach. I could be envious. In fact, if I was really honest, I would tell you I am. <laughs> um, wow. I didn't realize that today was the seventh anniversary of the house. And um, last week was the first anniversary for me to be a part of this family. Um, That's pretty amazing for me. A couple of months ago, Jeff asked me if I was ready to share yet because when I first came here, I said I was going to take a six, a six-month sabbatical. I wasn't going to do anything. I was just going to sit. I needed some time just to reevaluate, to gather my thoughts, to um, just sit and soak in God's presence. That's really what I needed more than anything else. And so when he asked me, I said, nah, not just yet. So when he asked me after the annual meeting, he got me, he caught me a little bit off guard. And of course, I said, well, yeah, I I suppose I can, because really, um, the Lord had already been nudging me that it's time. You know, you can have a sabbatical, but you can stay in a sabbatical too long. And so um, I was feeling as though it was time. But anyway, from the time I left the building to the time I got to the car, I thought, oh, my goodness, what did you say? What did you agree to? And especially since it was Mother's Day, because I I just felt like, Mother's Day? I don't don't have any kids. Um, And I look out here today, and I see young moms and new moms and some grandmas and some great-grandmas, some mothers-to-be. 
and some spiritual moms as well. And so today, um, even though it's mom, Mother's Day and my mom's been gone for 16 years, I honor my mom today because even as Larry said, part of who I am is a direct result of my mom. My mom was amazing. She was a gentle soul. And um, she knew how to love well. She really did. She um, loved people unconditionally, no strings attached. My mom was my biggest cheerleader, my best friend. And she believed in me no matter what. And sometimes I tested that to the nth degree. And so part of who I am today is a direct result to my mom. And so I just say thanks, Mom, for all that you were and all that you poured into my life. When I was trying to pull my thoughts together for this morning, and believe me, it was not easy. It's been a couple of years since I've done this, so if you see my knees knocking and you see them like going like this eventually, it's okay. It's I'm two years out of practice. And um, <laughs> it's just, it's, I'll get back. I really will, I promise. But I realized that, um, you know, in 70 years, you have a lot of history. And I'm 70. And 58 of those years, I actually world. And so I have a lot of history, a lot of stories, a lot of life experience, I suppose. And I could share a lot of things. Um, some, of, some of you know me really well. Others of you kind of know me. And then others of you don't know me at all. And um, so I just thought I would give you just a brief snapshot. The one thing about today is that the one thing I really appreciate about the House of Hope is that we don't do things traditionally. <laughs> and today is a perfect example. Most, in fact, the church that I was a part of before I came here was very traditional in how it honored mothers. There were roses and things like that. And it was always a mother or a grandma or somebody like that that would speak and so on and so forth. So, of course, we're a little bit untraditional here today. So if I don't have a Mother's Day message per se, well, it's because I don't. <laughs> However, I'm going to give you just a really snapshot vision of, of um, where I've come from, kind of a little bit about my life, and then hopefully there will be some things that will really encourage your heart as well. I'm adopted. I was an only child, and before you'd get any conclusions about being an only child, uh, we were a home that had a number of foster children um, for until I was 13. Actually. Um, I was raised in a pretty traditional and conservative type home. I believe the church was really important. And so I went to Sunday school and church from the time I was about three years old. First time I ever um, sang in church was at a Christmas concert when I was three. And I sang Away in a Manger. 
forgot the words halfway through, stopped, started over, and then sang the rest of the song, as only a three-year-old can. I graduated when I was 16, and I wasn't old enough at that time um, to enter nursing school, so I worked for a couple of months, did just a small part-time job. And then I went to Bible school. <laughs> Not like Reading, believe me. Bible school, nonetheless. And so I, I learned about homiletics and hermeneutics, and, and I've forgotten what those things are. I don't even know what they mean anymore. But they sound good, um, homiletics and hermeneutics. It impresses some people. So there's my impression for you for today. Homiletics and hermeneutics. And somebody will tell me, probably Zach knows what I think. Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> so I went to Bible school, and then I took my LPN training. And I was uh, assigned to a small rural hospital about, about an hour and 15 minutes away from home. I worked there for a couple of years. Um, and then I moved back home, got a job in a medical clinic, met a young man, started to plan a wedding, had a wedding dress and a wedding date, um, and he died at the age of 24 from a massive cornea. And so life changed for me. The dreams and the hopes of the white picket fence and kids and a husband and a family and all of that sort of went out the door for me then. Um, that wedding was planned for the spring of 75. Now that's way back. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. He's keeping track. How long? So I made a, a visit out to Fernie. I knew some people who were living there. And uh, I spent just a few weeks there, just kind of resting and gathering my thoughts, wondering what did the future hold. I'm going to take a drink. I ended up moving back. I ended up moving to Fernie. And I spent eight years in Fernie. Worked at the hospital in medical records. And after two years in Fernie, my mom came to live with me because my dad had passed away. And once again, life looked very different because now my mom was with me. I always had a really... As I look back on my life, I realize that I always had this longing and this hunger for God. Even as a little girl, I, I wanted to know God. I wanted to know Jesus. And so even when mom and dad wouldn't necessarily go to church, I would get dressed and I would go. And uh, it was because there was something that was really deep in my, in my spirit. That, um, and I didn't understand that. I just knew that I was hungry. I wanted to know. 
I just wanted to know God. And we only lived a block from a little Baptist church, so it was easy for me to, to go. And, uh, that hunger for God was, um, actually, when I look back, my high school I took at a convent, at a Catholic convent. I was there for four years. Two of those years I actually boarded. And as a Protestant, I didn't have to go to Mass or any of those kinds of things. Um, we always had a retreat in the month of January. It was a week of just meditation, no classes. Um, it was quiet. You just prayed and meditated, and you went to chapel and so on. I didn't have to do any of that because I was a Protestant. But I went, and I did, because something in me just wanted to know God. The years that Mom and I spent in Kearney, and then eventually here, um, <laughs> we had some very interesting experiences. Some were good, some not so good. But all through those years, I, I knew that God's hand was, was upon me. And um, so we, my mom loved me so much, I could have told her we were going to go to the moon, and she would have gone with me. That was the kind of love that my mom had for me. And it was the kind of love that she had for others as well. Absolutely unconditional. Um, I remember when she first met Jeff. She just thought Jeff was the cat's meow. I could have told her otherwise, but. But, you know, she stuck with that, and she was happy with that, so that was fine. She thought Larry was the cat's meow, too. I could have told her something about that as well, but, but I didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would have had to repent of that. There came a point in my life where I made a left, a left turn. And I won't go into the details that led up to that, just sufficient to say that I made a left turn. And I actually walked away from the Lord for a year, almost a year and a half. During that time, my mom just um, prayed. She never got mad at me. And though I knew she disagreed and she wasn't happy with the things that she saw, she just simply prayed and believed. She believed in me, and she believed in the promises that God had given her concerning me. And so that's what she did. She was, um, she was absolutely amazing that way. And if I should be half of what she was, about um, weepy today. But you know what? She prayed and she prayed and she believed. And her prodigal came home. 
And you know, there may be some of you here that have kids that are not, you know, where you would like to see them. You may have promises that God has given you and they are yet unfulfilled. All I can say to you is don't give up. Don't give up. My mom wasn't the only one that prayed. There were others who loved me and cared for me, but I avoided them as much as I possibly could. Um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I would see Chris in the store, uh, in the grocery store, and if I saw her soon enough, I would make sure that I went down the other aisle or out the other door or something. And... Um, because I knew she was praying as well, and there were others as well. So all I can say to you is don't give up. If you have prodigals, if you have dreams and hopes, if you have prophetic things that God's spoken, don't stop. I'm living proof. <laughs> A couple of years later, my mom's health changed. And I found myself in a caregiving role. <clears throat> that caregiving role carried on for about 10 years. And dementia and Alzheimer's is a very, very long goodbye. It's a very long goodbye. But I was her only child. And so, and back then, there wasn't a lot of support available. So God graced me with the ability to care for her. And I cared for her the whole time. And I was with her the day that she breathed her last and left. I still remember this one particular time when... In the hospital room, it was the day, actually, that she was dying. And uh, her doctor and a couple of the nurses came in, and they said, man, does it ever smell nice in here? What is this smell? Well, I knew what the smell was. I knew what the smell was. The Rose of Sharon was in the room. And there were a host of angels there as well, and I knew that. And so, um, as difficult as it was to let her go, um, it was also good. And so I, I still remember just simply saying to her, I'll see you later, Mom. And I will. I look forward to that day <clears throat> when I get this, to see her. I shouldn't talk about her because that's what it does to me. But that's because I loved her. I said this wasn't a Mother's Day message, but I think I've talked more about my mom than I talked about anything else. So, so much for that. Um, it was really hard at first for me because I was alone. Of my 55 years, I had spent 50 of them with my mom. And so it was really hard 
to be alone and to be on my own. And uh, I had to sort of try and figure out who I was, what my purpose was, my destiny, what did God have for me. And I was already 55. I mean, come on. Most people kind of have an idea of where they're going and what they're doing and so on and so forth. And here I am at 55 trying to figure out who am I. I've been in the church all my life. And so um, I had lots of head knowledge. Lots. I could quote scriptures. I just had lots of head knowledge. I knew a whole lot of stuff. But you know what? There's a big difference between knowing here and knowing. It's huge. It's huge. The knowing from here and the knowing here. And my heart just longed to know. I just wanted to know. I felt like um, my acceptance and my approval of God was based upon <laughs> um, my ability to read the, my Bible, you know, do my devotions, attend church on a regular basis, be as involved as you possibly could be in every kind of activity, um, tithe, all those kinds of things, because I really felt that that's, that's how my God accepted me and loved me strictly on the basis of my performance. It's a total lie. So I, little by little, God began to change that ungodly belief, which it is. It's an ungodly belief. And um, I'm not against reading your Bible, by the way. And I'm not against um, you being involved in things in the church and whatever. And I'm not against any of that. In fact, I really believe that it's important that we know the word, that we spend time in the word. That's really our plumb line more than anything else. And so I'm not against that, not at all. But it has to do with what your motive is and the reason that you're doing that. And so mine was kind of back to front. So even though I'd been in the church all my life, the Holy Spirit had a big job ahead of him. I didn't even know very much about the Holy Spirit at all because I was raised in the type of church that didn't really put any emphasis on that at all. In 96, I, I had the privilege and the opportunity of being able to go to Toronto. Renewal had already broken out there. Larry and Chris and Jeff and a few others had already been. And um, what I saw, <laughs> I wasn't sure um, how I felt as they shook and baked and hoed and woed and all that stuff. And, but there was something about it that I knew was real. And there was something about it that tugged at that longing to know and experience God on a deeper level. So I was, I was able to go. <laughs> it 
Well, the first conference I went to, I was totally undone. And if anybody couldn't walk straight or it was me. And I'm a very together person. I think most of you probably know that. Everything is in order. My colors might not coordinate today, but usually they do. And um, try to be kind of, hmm, I'm presentable. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> well, I wasn't very presentable when I came back from Toronto. But you know what? It wasn't really about the manifestations or any of those kinds of things, although those things were funny. Yeah, Jeff thought they were really funny. He used to love just coming by me and sticking his finger on the top of my head. Well, that was the end of me. He still does. <laughs> Don't shoot me from here. <laughs> but um, it was what was going on in my heart that was the important thing. Not so much the manifestations or whatever. It was after the first trip to Toronto that um, I told you how I struggled with my wanting to be accepted, needing to feel loved and accepted unconditionally by God. And um, I, I had tra traced my birth mother and um, she didn't because of circumstances, didn't want anything to do with me. And so there were a whole lot of things going on deep inside my heart. Deep, you know, really, really deep things. And God wanted to bring healing and so on to that. So shortly after I'd been to Toronto, um, and I'm not one who has dreams or visions or things like that. I, I don't usually see things. <laughs> Not usually. <laughs> that could change, but... <laughs> so, I had... I don't know if it was a dream or a vision or what it was. But when I had worked in the hospital, in this little rural hospital, I worked on maternity and uh, in the nursery. And um, back then, when a single mom had a baby that she was going to give up for adoption... That baby was put um, in a separate little room from the rest of the babies. And the reason for that was that if the mom wanted to go for a walk or whatever, she probably didn't want to see her baby. And so that baby was separated from the rest. The other babies, in those days, babies were not put in the rooms with the moms. They were kept in the nursery. And I say that to say this. <laughs> so in this dream, <clears throat> I saw this nursery. And um, there were three or four bassinets up at the wi window, at the viewing window. And there were people there who were ooing and aahing. And, you know, you know how it is with babies. And um, I saw this. And then I saw someone open the side door and go in. So I followed that person in this dream. And I realized that it was actually the Lord that was going in there. And he went into the side room where the baby was by herself. 
This still gets me today. So when I looked, he picked the baby up, and he cradled her, and I looked, and the baby was me. And he took this baby, he took me to the viewing window, and he showed me off, and he kept saying, she's mine, she's mine, she's mine. It changed my life uh, in such a radical way. Um, Changed my notes here, too. Somewhere they went. Don't you love it when you do that? Oh, there it is. See? It absolutely undid me. It still does. And that's 25 years or more. And that set me on a journey of really finding out who I was and really finding out who he is. There's some scriptures that, after that dream, that took on very... um, a deeper meaning and a a different meaning. And I'm just going to share the scriptures with you. I'm not going to read them all. But there's three of them in particular. And one of them is from Ephesians 1.4. And it talks about before the foundation of the world, I knew you. He knew you. He knew me. Before the foundation of the world, before I was ever born, he knew me. How's that for belonging? How's that for an illegitimate little girl, abandoned, not wanted by her birth mother, and yet adopted, not only adopted by a natural family, but adopted by the father himself? Wow. And then there is Psalm 139. And, um, you know, we all have life verses. We all do. Verses that mean something deep to us and are significant in our lives. And this is a portion of scripture that is really significant to me. And it's Psalm 139, verses 15 to 17. And I'm actually going to read this if I can get through it. And I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation, which makes it even, um, I can't say worse. That's not what I mean. I just mean it's harder to get through. That's all I mean by that. So hang tough here while I find it. Hey, bear with me, guys. Actually, it starts a little bit above verse 15. I don't know you could read this whole psalm, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. 
How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even shaped every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were all recorded in your book. Every single moment, I love this, every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me. Wow, he cherishes me and he cherishes you. We need to let that go so deep in our spirits that he cherishes us. He doesn't just love us. He doesn't just accept us, although he does all of those things, but he actually cherishes me, and he cherishes you. That you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh, God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of the sand on every shore. And so on and so on. Psalm 139. And then the other scripture that has um, come to mean so much to me is out of Philippians 1, verse 6. And it's he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. There have been days in my life when I thought, really? You're going to complete this? Wow. Wow. You have your work cut out for you, God. Doesn't bother him. He's more than capable, more than able, more than willing. And he simply, one of the things that I have learned and am learning in these past few years is that he simply loves me to life. He just loves me to life. That's not how it used to be for me. It was a lot of discipline and a lot of hard work and a lot of really negative things. But he loves me to life. I came across this when I was... Um, trying to put my thoughts together. If you know what time I was up till last night trying to put my thoughts together, I had papers all over, I had notes all over, I had scriptures here and there, and mm. yes, that's what I did. I came across this, and I don't even know what you call this. We did this in um, when I was at the leaders' school. It was one of the assignments that we did in the afternoon, and you just went. What is it called? A collage. I knew somebody would know it, and I figured it would be this front row. Hey, I'm amazing. It was a word of knowledge. Yeah, I'm pathetically prophetic. Anyway, um, no, I'm not. Actually, I'm not pathetically prophetic. I'm amazingly prophetic, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Oh, dear. You know what? I, I can tell you this, that, you know, when you have, have walked with the Lord for a long time, 
and you've had all kinds of different teachings and all kinds of different stuff, you have to sort through the good and the bad and the ugly. And you have to learn how to sift it and to push some things aside and then to focus in on some other things. So God's constantly renewing this mind because I've had some very ungodly beliefs. But I'm in process. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, this collage was something that I did when I was at the leader's school in, in Toronto. And I looked at this, and this thing is like eight, nine years old. And it, it's taken from magazines, you know, little slogans, pictures, whatever. And I looked at it, and I thought, you know, there isn't a whole lot that has changed on this because it expressed the desires that were in my heart at the time. And these desires are still just as real and alive today as they were then. There's, I don't want to be an ordinary Christian. I want more, much more. And there is more. There's always more. There's a little slip here that says God's voice. It's important for us to learn to hear and to recognize and to know his voice. Um, spiritual breakthrough. We all want spiritual breakthrough in areas in our lives. And I believe that's happening for us individually and corporately as well. There's one here that says, unashamed. And the woman has her hands raised unashamed. I didn't used to be able to do that. I can do that. Because I'm his. And he's mine. And there's one here that says, every pickle has been soaked. Every pickle has been soaked. Well, hmm. I love to soak. I love to soak, and I'm a pickle, so every pickle has been soaked. And then there's this one little tiny little square that says, fly like an eagle. And a couple of years ago, when I was really struggling with um, coming here, not because there was anything wrong with coming here, but because... I was somewhere else and uh, felt very loyal and so on and so on and so on. Part of my journey when I came here was that I, I came the night that um, the Heidi Baker video was shown. I love Heidi Baker. And uh, so I watched the video. And during the video, there was part of it where it talked about Roland, who had been sick, um, had a dementia-type illness, didn't recognize anybody, didn't recognize Heidi, all of those things. We talked about um, how he had been the pilot of their missionary plane and so on. And there were people all over the world that were praying for him, but he was just getting progressively worse. At one point, this couple, Georgian and Winnie Vanov, who... If you think I could be drunk, she's drunk all the time. 
Um, anyway, they went to visit Roland and Heidi. And Georgian sat in front of Roland with a little plastic plane. And I've told some of you this story, but it is another one of those things that um, changed my life. He sat in front of him with his little plane, and he said to him, you will fly again. And I felt at that time that there were so many things that I had laid aside, things that I had let slip through my fingers, I thought. And I didn't, I just, I was almost in a place of hopelessness or whatever. And I'm not one, again, who hears voices or things like that, but I heard as clear as anything when that video spoke, when, when Georgian said to him, and you will fly again, I heard the Lord say as clear as anything, and so will you. I was an absolute wreck. Jeff and Deanne, I mean, I barely made it to the car. I was just a wreck. Because somehow I knew, somehow I knew that God was going to restore and that hope was going to rise in my heart again. And the dreams um, that I've held, that somehow they were going to come to pass. I didn't know how, but I just knew that somehow I was going to fly again. And you know what? I am. I am going to fly again. I've already started to spread my wings a little bit. They're kind of here. Or maybe here. But I'll catch the wind. I will. And so um, I just want to encourage you that those of you that still have dreams, still have hopes, still have prophetic things that maybe God has promised you years ago, you will fly. You will fly again. If you can fly again, if I can fly again, we could fly together. What a team. And so that was one of, one of the things that um, eventually brought me to this place. So that's just a brief snapshot, kind of, of, of my life. So you kind of have an idea of who I am. I realize that I have more years behind me than I have ahead of me. I know that. But you know what? The scripture says he saves the best wine till the last. So... I'm looking forward to the best wine. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know that even though I do have more years behind me than ahead of me, I know that God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny for me. And he has it for each one of you. It doesn't matter. I, sometimes I look at Phyllis, and she lives just down the hall cross for me. God still has purpose, still has destiny for you. It's not over yet. Your life is not done. Your influence is not done. You still have a place. 
you still have things to do. And God will give you the grace and the strength and all that you need in order to do it. And she's going to be 90 this year. Wow. And that's the same for each one of us. He's got purpose. We hear it all the time. We hear it all the time here. I've never been in such a place where hope that has been deferred is actually coming alive again. That is amazing. I said this before to you, that this place is rightly named. It absolutely is rightly named. And so um, there we are. That's my Mother's Day message. (laughs) Loved with an everlasting love. That's you. Loved with an everlasting love. Doesn't change. Totally unconditional. No strings attached. No performance needed. All you have to do is open your arms and just embrace it. Let him hold you like he held me. And said, she's mine. She's mine. She's mine. How many of you hear that you need to hear that? I'm your mind. How many? Anybody? If that's you, stand up. If you needed to hear that word today from the Father, that look, and you had that picture of the Father showing you off, I want you to stand up. So we got one person standing. Anybody else? Okay. I knew there was more. Linda's going to release a, a blessing over you. Because this is, this, is, this is what she carries. This is life to her. And then we're going to have the kids have something to give to the moms, it looks like. So this is something that Linda carries. This is her authority as the Father has given her and has implanted in her the truth that she is accepted as his own. She's going to release that onto you. And I think for a lot of you, it's part of the process. You know this, but it's part of the process of a reminder. Father, I just thank you. I thank you so much for each one that is standing here. And Lord, I know that you want to say over them right now, you're mine. You're mine. You're mine. And so I do. I just release that over you. I speak that over you. You're his. Not based on performance. Not based on anything. Other than the fact that you are his. Thank you, Father. Okay, so put your hand on your heart. The ones that were standing. And declare, I receive this new truth. 
I can't hear you. And I will never be the same. Amen. All right. That's awesome. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.